You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and for now, my regular co-host, Paul, is away due to some dental issues, but he will be back shortly. And of course, in the meantime, we have the lovely Sarah Kelly with us. Uh, and uh, she's here today for us to talk about mysteries. And apparently mystery today is how to talk because I've been talking all day. <laughs> now I seem to have forgotten how to do it. But uh, hey, hey, Sarah, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Went out to dinner, good. ate lots of food. And now, I mean, I think I'm, I'm food drunk. I'm not drunk drunk, but I'm, I'm food drunk right now. <laughs> how about you? Um, I'm doing good. It's been kind of a, a little bit of a crazy weekend, but um, I, I, you told me a little bit about your meal and there was like steak and lobster involved. And, you know, that was not a little fancier than my uh, drive through cheeseburger uh, tonight, but I have no regrets. So mm -hmm. I was I was tempted to order the cheeseburger, too. My husband's just like, um, no, dear. <laughs> it's OK. It's OK. You don't have to have cheeseburgers everywhere you go. I can handle that. That's fine. You, you can't beat them, though. Like, you can't beat a good cheeseburger. It was a good day for that. It was Burgerville. It's a local chain that we have here that's just excellent. So good. Mm. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> that's all right. Add Ville to the end of anything, and I'm I'm already down. That that sounds great. If I ever come visit you, we can all go to Burgerville. We'll go to Burgerville. Best shakes in town. Yeah. I always wanted to go to a Sonics. Do you guys have a Sonics in Oregon? Actually, we do. We have one just down the street, and I have literally never been. So I, I've been seeing commercials for Sonics my whole life, and I'm like, damn, they got the coolest looking drinks. But in, yeah, I'm here in Canada. I'm just like, there ain't no Sonics around here. <laughs> so yeah, the mystery is not about uh, how to get a Sonics uh, drink in Canada. Uh, today, the whole episode is about mystery games, uh, mostly within the adventure genre, because that's kind of what we play. But we want to dive into a little bit about what makes a mystery game? What are some great classic mystery games we've played? Maybe some uh, newer mystery games that are out there and a little bit of everything in between. How does that sound? That sounds great. Perfect. Well, uh, so, you know, I was I was trying to think about mystery games and, and games that classified as mysteries. And of course, the, the first ones that came to mind for me were games like Sherlock Holmes or Nancy Drew or games where you're kind of you're going through finding inventory items, combining conversations and trying to, to figure out like a problem. And, and that that's the first problem I came to. What's the difference between a problem and a mystery? So how do you, so what we're talking about is what is criteria, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, problem. Yeah. Are you solving? So what's the difference between I'm trying to solve a problem versus I'm trying to solve a mystery? And there things get a little bit blurred because just before we started talking, we were kind of lightly debating whether or not games like Indiana Jones or Broken Sword actually count because they're kind of this sort of a little bit of a subgenre, you know? Um, sort of like you're chasing after trying to find some kind of supernatural MacGuffin and you're putting all these clues together. And so you are solving a mystery, but the focus I think is less on mystery and more on the adventure aspect of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we call, call that as like an actual like 
bona fide top tier style mystery, not talking about quality of game, but, you know, about whether or not that actually qualifies as just a mystery. Which leads into the conversation of what compri- what makes a game a mystery game? Is it a specific type of dialogue? Is it that it has to be within a certain genre? Can it be an adventure and a mystery at the same time? Uh, and that's the, I mean, what about a text-based game? Can it be a mystery in a text-based game? Then it's obviously conversationally based. And like, it like, is a puzzle a mystery? Or is it a problem that's a mystery? Like, because even in an adventure game that's not a mystery game, usually there's puzzles and things you have to figure out to get things done. So really a lot of blurred r- lines, you're right on that. Yeah. Well, I would say that it's where you start out with something that you want to, a story that you're trying to uncover. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe a mystery has, you're trying to kind of uncover a story and piece together a series of events. And I think that not every adventure game falls into that category. For example, King's Quest Three is a mystery, right? Because you wake up as this person, you don't really know who you are, you don't know your background, and over the course of the game, you are discovering your own story and finding out about your history. But in King's Quest Four, for example, she has a goal, she has a mission. I'm going to save my father, and to do that, I have to save Janessa the fairy, and everything you do is to that end. So that's not so much a mystery as I am solving puzzles to achieve my goal. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, because, okay, if I flip it right over to police quest, you're a police officer and you're trying to solve crimes, but are crimes mysteries? Like, for example, some archives considered police quest to be a mystery game and other archives considered it to be an adventure game. But it would be like more mystery kind of because you're trying to solve actual crimes and crimes are by proxy mysteries whereas you're right in king's quest especially king's quest 4 you like you know what you're set out to do the mystery might be where did you put this and how do you get that but like i'd call those more puzzles than mysteries i think i'd agree i think that you could probably say that police quest games are sort of in that interesting kind of subgenre where yeah, I guess you could call police procedural a subgenre of mystery, mm-hmm. right? And then you could call those sort of Indiana Jones-style adventures sort of a subgenre mystery. But when you're talking mystery mystery, I think we're talking like private investigator territory, maybe? I think, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because if you don't put in that parameter, I can sit here with a game like Sanitarium and say it's in a mystery because you don't, like, I don't know if you know this game at all. I haven't actually played Sanitarium, no. Okay, so yeah, you, at the beginning, you don't know who you are, and that's a mystery. You don't know anything about your past, why you are where you are, and what happened to get you there. So you're spending the whole mm-hmm. game trying to uncover the answers, and you get little clips and storylines and things that happen so that at the end of the story, you can unravel all of the mystery, pretty much, and figure out what's going on. So it's really, it's a mystery, but it's not like a detective mystery at all. Right. It's different. Mm -hmm. Different. Like, again, Circle of Blood or uh, what was Mm -hmm. the other name that you have for it? Sorry, Broken Sword, right? Broken Sword, right. It started (laughs) out. I think Broken Sword is more like the name of the series and then there are different sub. I actually just played the fifth game Mm -hmm. a couple. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Anyway, before I get into that, though, um, I was just thinking, so we kind of have strayed already kind of into mystery subgenres and like different categories. And I think the one that you brought up there 
the I don't know who I am or I have no idea what's happened. I wake up in a room and I'm trying to figure it out is in itself an entire subgenre because Ooh. I literally just played one like that yesterday. Oh, and cool. I'm sure that if we brainstormed, we could come up with a list of them. Now, I I might be in the minority here, but I actually get really frustrated by those types of games, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. because then characterization has a tendency to take a backseat in them because the main thing is the the events right. that you're trying to figure out, which totally makes sense. And that's a style thing. I'm not saying that other types of games are superior to that. I'm just saying that it is totally not for me because I'm just so, so character and story driven in, in in the way that I like to play games and the types of games that I like to play that I get kind of frustrated and impatient if I'm like, oh gosh, just give me a setting and give me some characters to talk to. Mm-hmm, <laughs> if mm-hmm. I'm just wandering around by myself, I get really frustrated really fast. So you weren't big into um, uh, Mist, obviously. Oh my gosh. I tried. Me I too. tried. <laughs> I did. And I played, I tried to play it back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, a couple months ago, I tried it again. And I was like, I still hate this. <laughs> but then my 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 friend, uh, one of my good friends, her husband played that thing the whole way through by himself, hmm. solved it. I think without with little to no help from What's walkers. Wrong with that person. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, but the thing is, those are the types of games that he likes. Wow. His brain just works that way. Mine yeah. doesn't. No. I get and involved so- in the, so much so that if it's too hard for me to figure out, I'll follow it through with the book, but still click on everything because I want to know what's going to happen in the story. Oh, right. And I, in that, I am a, a repeat offender with oh no, I've been stuck for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I need to go to the walkthrough because I want to find out what's happening in the story and this puzzle is making me mad. So for me, you know, I think we have different goals when we play games. You know, everybody does. Mm-hmm. What are you the most into? What is the most exciting and interesting to you? So if a puzzle gets in the way of the story for me, I'm going to be like, okay, puzzle, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Especially, well, especially if it's a maze or something, I'm like, okay, yeah. Oh. Let's just left, Mm -mm. right, left, up, down. Perfect. I will follow those words. I don't, I don't do the mazes. (laughs) Well, they're not a mystery. They're a time extender. You know, it's not like mazes are fine if I'm a kid and I'm doing it in a book, but like, you understand it in a game. They're like, man, this game is too short. We got to make it at least 45 minutes longer. Maze. Boom. Well, I wonder if it would be interesting to talk to some designers that put mazes in their games and say, okay, so curious, did you put a maze in this part of the game because you thought, shucksy doodles, we need a maze here? Or is, did I just say shucksy doodles? I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> that is so, not or, getting edited out. I'm sorry. Okay, shucksy doodles is here to stay. Or... Um, I totally lost track of my thought. Oh, yeah. Do we put a maze here just because, you know, because we want it to be longer? Or do we want to have a maze? Do we just mm-hmm. love a maze? Yeah, is this is the part thing? of the game where a maze should be. I mean, could you imagine the game without one? And everyone's like, no, no, it needs the maze. You're like, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, one maze that I was okay with was in um, Conquest of the Longbow because it had a very specific purpose. There was the labyrinth maze, which which also made sense because it was behind an abbey and labyrinths are a big part of Catholic contemplation. It made sense that there would be a labyrinth hedge maze there. That made sense. Mm-hmm. But to, to follow, you have to kind of find your way through it so you can do it later in the game when time really counts. That made sense to me. I was like, okay, this isn't hard and it makes sense. So that's a place where it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, or like my favorite maze. Not that this is on topic at all, but now I have to say no, it because I'm totally started off. Yeah, no, that's fine. This is everyone knows me well enough to know this is going to happen. Uh, but yeah, Quest for Glory too. You could consider the city streets to be a maze, and I loved mm-hmm. that maze, and I still love that maze, and and I just memorized it, and I've said it lots of times on this show. I think that that's a fun one to me. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. See, I'm always worried. Mazes always make me nervous that I'm going to miss something because there's always the thing of like, did I miss an inventory object item because I didn't go to every single corner of this maze? And so mm-hmm. that's that's my thing. I'm like, ah, I'm going to miss it. Um, anyway, so mysteries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, there's a... Let's see. One of the other ones, the, well, one of the first ones that uh, I brought up when I was looking online and I hadn't even considered it was uh, any of the Carmen San Diego games because they're, they're a mystery. you got to figure out where to go, how to get there, how to solve the crime, who to catch. Right. An educational mystery. I haven't actually played any of those. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, I was terrible at it, but my friend was really, really good at it. And she had a big Atlas thing on her wall. We used to play that and uh, Cross Country Canada, which was uh, another kind of game where you have to know where to go and how to get there but yeah it it was fun it was mystery based we actually did a whole episode on carmen san diego way back in time on this uh podcast so i probably even said things and had opinions on it then but uh yeah it was a satisfying game it was really difficult and it was a mystery game where you had to take knowledge from the outside world and bring it in kind of like um chinatown detective agency i was just gonna like say that, that. Yeah. yeah yeah totally you're like you have to google this or you need to figure out what it is otherwise you're not going to be able to progress in the game because it's actually like real knowledge based and i think i think that's a really fun way to tie the real world into a game mm-hmm. i re- actually really like that mechanic in chinatown detective agency mm-hmm I've been enjoying that. I have not finished it yet, but I am getting there. It's gorgeous, though, isn't it? It Just, is. It's beautiful. Yeah. The color palette is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and great work with lighting and shadows and just rain and everything else. It's really, really yeah, good at setting the mood. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did some pricing out um, because the, the Steam Summer Sale mm, is nice. online. We are not receiving any kind of promotional uh, you know, consideration from these from these, you know, game <laughs> makers, but we just love to plug an indie game developer whenever we can. Mm-hmm. So, um, Chinatown Detective Agency is about seventeen-ish. I want to say it was seventeen forty-nine. So that is a really great price for a really great game. And some of the other ones that we're talking about today are, let's see, I think the cheapest one is a dollar forty-nine, and at that um, at that price, it is absolute highway robbery that you can get it at that price. But it's good, so we'll talk about that one coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think uh, the big mystery is which game are you going to play on your giant list of games you want to play, or which one are you going to replay? And that that's the mystery for all of us <laughs> gamers every single time. And then, which game are we going to buy? <laughs> which game are you going to add to your already incredibly long backlog? Mm-hmm. Um, that is the question. So, um, what should we? So we've talked about um, subgenres of games. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just talk some favorites. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you and I both really enjoyed playing the the Blackwell series. Yes. Oh and my gosh, yes. Yeah, you've got you've got ghosts, you've got mysteries, you've got crimes to solve, you've got problems to solve. It's multi-generational. I mean, it, it kind of covers all the bases. And characterization. Mm-hmm. I, I cared. You know. 
Yes. And that's the thing is that, so you're playing it, um, just a little bit of background. You start off as a young woman in New York who has recently lost her aunt and her aunt had been in a, uh, an institution for, I don't know, 20 some odd years. Mm -hmm. And you discover that in your family, you have a spirit guide that's been passed from generation to generation down the women line. And you meet this spirit guide. His name is Joey. He appears to be kind of a rat pack sort of guy from the 40s, mm -hmm. I would guess. I don't remember exactly what era he's from. But uh, he and you find uh, ghosts that are just wandering around, don't know who they are, and help them to kind of figure out what happened to them and help them pass into the spirit world. So every ghost, every game has several cases, basically, several ghosts that you need to help. And there's also some uh, arcs uh, and, and some ideas and some plot plot uh, lines that go throughout the series. So there's kind of an overarching mystery, and then there's kind of the mystery of the day. Mm -hmm. And um, it's wonderful because the characters are really vivid and it starts, it's kind of a slow burn that way. But by the time you get to the fifth one, which is Blackwell Epiphany, you're just hopelessly emotionally involved. And oh, that yeah. is the, I love that kind of a game. Yeah. The self-discovery as well. And, and uh, Joey Malone, he's, uh, he's just, he's got such a great sense of spirit and character. He's, he's not just a sidekick in this game. He's there to help you understand things, but he's also not there to like coddle you and hold your hand. And you still have to figure things out for yourself, but you also get to use the dynamic of, of moving him around because he can only do certain things or go into certain places. So it was, it was really cool having both characters to bounce off of as well in the series. Right. So the main character is Rosangela and she can, she doesn't talk to the ghost. Okay, I'm trying to remember. She doesn't talk to the ghost directly. Right. Joey does that. Yes. But she's also the person who, once the ghosts realize who they are, then she can speak to them, and then they can. she can kind of walk them through into the spirit realm. So they kind of work together. Yeah. Um, and just a side note, the developer is Wajet I. That's Dave Gilbert, mm -hmm. primarily. Um, and... The writing is fantastic, and you'll find that writing in any of the games that Wajedai has published. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Joey Malone as a stand-up performance. Um, he's an actor named Abe Goldfarb, mm -hmm. and he is brilliant. He did a wonderful job, and uh, he really brought that character to life. And uh, there was a day, one afternoon where Dave Gilbert was doing an AMA on his Twitter. And so I said, Hey, you know, how did you go about casting Joey? Cause I was curious. And he said that Joey was, um, Abe Goldfarb was somebody that he already knew. Mm -hmm. And he said, this was an actor I already knew. And I just didn't want to entrust this character to anyone else. Mm -hmm. he, he knew that he was the right person for it. And he knew that he would do him justice. And he really did. Mm -hmm. Fantastic job. So the the, vo the voice performances in these games are wonderful. Yeah. Um, plus you've got mystery, like you said, ghosties, the whole nine. 
Yeah, and and the game's kind of like they each game builds on itself. Like if you're imagining the progression of Sarah uh, of Sierra, and and each game is is a slight bit of an improvement. It, this game, this series does it, but without taking it out of its own genre. Like it's still classically the same, but there's these little tweaks and improvements that happen with each one of them that just makes each one a build on how pleasurable it is to play. It's it's really great fun. Yeah, I would agree with that. There is, you can tell there's kind of a, a maturity mm-hmm. that starts to build with with the types of puzzles and the writing. And because this was the first one, the Blackwell Legacy was one of the earlier games that Wajidai published. And it it was, it's a good game. I and mean, it's a great game, especially mm-hmm. for being so early out of the gate for them. Mm-hmm. But as the games continue, you can see that they start to learn more about, you know, what makes a good game, what makes a good puzzle. So it starts mm-hmm. out good and it becomes great. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That makes it a real pleasure to play. And so you can kind of see the game games grow and they also grow in length too. The first couple mm-hmm. are quite short, but by yeah. the time you get to number four and number five, they're, they're quite long, full, complete full length uh, games. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely falling under the genre of mystery, definitely falling under the genre of good, and also today falling under on sale. Very, <laughs> yeah. very on sale because the Steam Summer Sale is on. And I believe, I don't know how long it's going to be until this podcast gets published, but usually the Steam Summer Sale goes on for quite a while. And right now, uh, Blackwell Legacy, the first one in the series, is on sale for a buck forty-nine. That's a good and deal. That- they updated this game April 24th. They are still updating this game. I mean, this this is a developer who cares. There's, there's also full, um, you know, behind-the-scenes developer's commentary with Dave Gilbert. He's also doing interviews with some of the voice actors and actresses in the game. As you go through it, his face pops up with different GIFs or graphics each time, and, and it's great fun. So if you played them once, play them again with the commentary on. Totally recommended. Absolutely. Let's see. What else do we have here in my little list? Unless you want to describe another one of your favorites now. We could kind of go back and forth. Sure. Well, we can hit into... uh, I love the Tex Murphy games. The first one I ever played was Under a Killing Moon, although the Martian Memorandum is really good. The Pandora Directive is really good. uh, But all of those are great, uh, great mystery games that are a lot of it is text and conversational based as well as picking up inventory items. You, you could say it's just an adventure game, of course, and that it's an adventure mystery, but because you have that whole detective aspect, I think it'll fit within our parameters. Oh, absolutely. We played a bit of Killing Moon together. We, uh, I was going to say we twitched it, and that just <laughs> shows you how tired I am right now. We streamed it on Twitch, and... Twitching is not a thing. Well, I mean, twitching is a thing, but that has nothing to do with streaming. So, um, I, it was, you know, I, I actually thought that the, 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 that one is an FMV. I thought the actor was utterly charming, just mm-hmm. loved him. Um, I don't think I was a big fan of the 3d aspect of that, but Mm-hmm. It's the only FMV games I had ever actually played up until like many, many years later. And the only reason it caught me was uh, his bloody sense, his sense of humor. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's really, really funny. And um, 
But I bring up the 3D thing because I get a little bit seasick with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I tend to Mm -hmm. not like it just because it's hard for me to look at. Mm -hmm. But I can see how that game would be really, really fun for someone who's into that. I think that particular one probably wasn't my cup of tea, but I'd love to try some of the other Tex Murphys um, if they're in different formats. And I don't know if they are, but... Well, I mean, you can tell me. You've played a bunch of them, right? Yeah, they're all kind of like, uh, you could say Martian Memorandum is kind of a little bit more cartoony and graphical. Kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say y- you could try that one. It's It's got over 24 megs of sounds and graphics. Okay, yeah. Fully animated talking characters, intriguing storylines, and in-depth character development. Those are all things you like. Do love me some character development. Yeah, great musical score. So, yeah, and the most oh, yeah. vivid life-like uh, graphics you've ever seen for 1991. I'm sold. There you go. Okay, maybe we'll give that one a try then. Be a good reason for me to open up the box. All right, well, how about you? What's uh, What were you thinking was a, a detective-type game that uh, you enjoyed? Well, we had to talk about Gabriel Knight. I don't mm. think we can talk about this genre without talking about Gabriel Knight. <laughs> Gabriel right. Knight. You are right. I mean, it's it's definitely a mystery. It's a voodoo mystery, and there's a comic in it. There's just there's so much to love about Gabriel Knight. The music is great. The writing is great. The character development is amazing. The people who made it are amazing. I just we could do another whole episode just talking about Gabriel Knight. Oh, we could, and we probably should. (laughs) So we'll just kind of touch on it right now, and I'll say that, you know, um, I've played two of them. I haven't played the third one. Again, the 3D thing kind of hangs me up, and also um, I tried to play it. I tried to start it, and I had a hard time making it work on my computer, and then I just kind of got stuck at that point and never came back to it. I know that there are fixes, but I did watch a playthrough, Decaf Jedi, Jess Morissette on Twitch, he played. He did a playthrough for his Retro Adventure Wednesday, hmm. and um, it's it's a little bit more uh, thematically. It's a little bit more on the broken sword side of things, mm-hmm. um, and I think though that uh, out of all three of them, the one that I like the best is Beast Within, and I, I think people tend to favor the first one, but I like the second one. It was the first one that I played the whole way through, mm-hmm. and. I think that it was my first FMV experience and it was so much fun watching real actors mm-hmm. make choices based on what I did. It was like I was playing a, a game that was like an interactive play where I was deciding what was happening and I loved that. And I loved being able to see actors' interpretations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was just incredibly enjoyable. And I just finished watching through the... Um, so conversations with Curtis, have you been watching any of that? Yeah. Yeah. I've caught a couple of them. It's, I mean, he had Victoria on and I mean, David. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've done some great work there. So he just played through with, uh, Daniel Abu, Mm -hmm. um, Gabriel Knight too, Beast Mm -hmm. Within. And it was really interesting watching them play that and kind of seeing their reactions to things like the opera. Of course, Daniel had mm-hmm. played it many times before, but it was Paul Morgan Stetler. For those of you who don't know, Paul Stetler uh, played Curtis Craig in Phantasmagoria 2. And about mm-hmm. a year ago, he started interviewing people that were from his game, 
and like Lorelai Shannon, who directed, she wrote it. She didn't direct it. She wrote it. Um, and I think he interviewed his director and some of his fellow actors. And then he started expanding that project to other games and other actors from different FMV games. And he's kind of, he's expanding to non-FMV games as well. But he started out, he played all of Phantasmagoria 1 with Victoria Morcel. Mm-hmm. And he just finished Gabriel Knight 2. And so <laughs> that was a really interesting experience watching him play that. I really enjoyed it. I highly encourage you to go onto YouTube. They're all, are, all the episodes are archived there. Mm-hmm. Sit down, have a watch. It's a lot of fun. Um, but th- I think the reason that I liked it so much was because not only was the characterization wonderful, but I played it during lockdown mm-hmm. and in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to go to Germany and forget everything that was happening. And it was so, yeah. And, and the mystery of it was really fun. Yeah. Although I would say probably the mystery is a little bit heavier with the first one. But mm. I, I, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a lot to reveal in the first one. Yes, there's a lot. Have you played? Have you played them all the way through? Only the first one. I'm still mm-hmm. again high on my high on my list is the second one. Oh, I'm just going to get shot for mm-hmm. saying I haven't played it. I'm sure it's it's okay. There yeah. are some things that I haven't played, so that everybody's played. But um, I just I have fo- sorry. Oh, I have two, I have two copies of the first Gabriel Knight. Does that count as the first and the second? Yep. Sure. There okay. you go. <laughs> Anyways, go on. <laughs> Do you have the funky box though? <laughs> no, I wish. God, the trapezoid box is awesome or whatever. I know. Mm. I know. And the thing is, you know, I think back in the day, I think I saw it in the stores. And I never dreamed it would be worth oh. as much as it is now. I'm just like kicking myself. Oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. I that almost had a monkey island box. for like uh, 60 bucks just like two and a half years ago but I didn't have wow. any money with me that day because I was just toddling about and I didn't expect it of course I come oh, gosh, back and it. somebody else did buy it somebody that's in the big box PC collectors game group actually they posted I'm like ah ha ha I know where you got that and I know it was a hell of a good <laughs> deal <too." laughs> oh well <laughs> I've actually got a couple of I've got a King's Quest 4 or two that I can sell but I just haven't gotten around to it mm-hmm. but, I get it mm-hmm. I have extras to sell and I, I have got, extras yeah I don't know. I'll just hang on to them until somebody needs one. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But that's kind of anyway. the, like I know I'm at the point where I'm a trader. Like, like I'm mm-hmm. like I don't want the money for the game. I get it. They're worth more. You'd rather have I another game. It. Yeah, I want another game that I don't have because that sixty, eighty, or a hundred bucks is going to go into what groceries? Like, oh yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's what I should do. I should treat somebody. Because, mm-hmm. oh. yeah, you probably have, I mean, heck, if you and I both switch lists, we'd probably have a switch off. I mean, many of us probably would. Ooh, we might have to have a chat, you and I, huh? <laughs> we might have to. And if anybody out there wants to trade games, send an email. Mail at ClassicGamersGuild.com. What do you have to trade? Hey, you what never you know. What you, what you got? What you got? What you got? Pass we'll turn along. this into a swap meet. <laughs> The mystery, yes. Okay, so yeah, no, mm-hmm. good point on those games. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, and one last thing I have to add, I am a sucker for will they, won't they's. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel Knight, of course, has a fantastic will they, won't they relationship. So mm-hmm. you got to kind of hang in there. And the thing about Jane Jensen is she doesn't give you like the whole thing right away. She just kind of gives you a little bit here and a little bit there and just kind of leaves you little crumbs and leaves you wanting more. And I like that. Mm-hmm. So there's two mysteries. There's, are you going to solve the mystery of the voodoo murders? And are you ever going to get together with Grace? Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying you get two mysteries for the price of one. Oh, uh, and you need that. Like a lot of those games need that. Like 
sexual tension and and I mean because it's also yeah. realistic and it's a huge part of life and like I'm I'm just a sucker for that as much as anybody else is right so. right it's half of the reason why anybody watched X Files yeah oh ex- exactly <laughs> and speaking of X Files mm-hmm. I have the big box for X Files sitting right here and I know you and I at some point we're going to talk about feelies but I have to say for those that have seen the X Files game box the front of it actually has like a transparency film on the inside of the X and behind it it has like this holographic cd box and you're like oh is it just cd roms but then you open it up and it's file folders that are all labeled like the truth is out there and deny everything and the cd roms are in there with like little file tabs it's absolutely adorable oh that's so cool i love stuff like that so much oh it's just the time and attention it's like it's like a dvd versus a blu-ray people are like oh blu-ray so great it looks so pretty i'm like where's the extras where's the video games where's the cool stuff it's like oh no like that i don't know about you but like in the blu-ray videos i've seen the menus are so minimal and yet you go into a dvd and you're like my god could they cram any more extra stuff into this thing holy crap like bring me the extras i want the the bits give me all the extra stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now i'm looking to see x files is that one of those that is not available for purchase anymore is that kind of an abandoned wear slash you have the cds in the box and that's the way you play it yeah i'm it's not seeing it on steam fox interactive unfortunately so i mm. believe it's all owned by fox but yeah it's like it's like fmv i guess you could you could compare it to it's it's not like you have Yay. to walk around the room in the same way as you did with the Tex Murphy. It's not got that weird spinny thing, but you've got your inventory line underneath, mm-hmm. and you've got your pictures, and you've got your people you're talking and interviewing. But it's all like the actual actors from the show, so super cool. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> Love it. Well, speaking of, oh, I want to come back to Gabriel Knight really quickly because mm-hmm. I wanted to mention, since we are uh, plugging prices right now in the Steam Summer Sale, Gabriel Knight, Sense of the Fathers, the original is $3.89, people. Oh, my and God. The Beast so much Within cheaper is... than the 80 bucks we would have paid for it back in the day. Jeez. Right? <laughs> and The Beast Within is $3.89 as well. And the 2014 remake is $4.99. So mm. I'm just saying. It's worth it. I I did the remake on my tablet and it was pretty. It was fine. It was well suited to being played on a tablet, actually. I played it. I just played it on my um, on my PC and I think I played the original on my laptop. Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoyed the 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 remake. I know a lot of most people prefer the original because Mm -hmm. of, you know, the voice performance. And I actually think I probably prefer the original slightly as well. But I really enjoyed the remake i thought it was beautiful i really liked the the kind of beefed up soundtrack mm-hmm. um that w- that was done um beefed up that's a <laughs> reorchestrated <laughs> it's beefy <laughs> i just i was thank you robert slow. holmes yeah, for the yeah. beefier soundtrack <laughs> You know what? I think that's a great word association because it's like beefy. It's like filled with nutrients. It's satisfying. It's filling. It's brain food. It's soul food. It's beefy. So, Robert, if you're listening, thank you for the more nutritious um, soundtrack (laughs) that you gave us in that game. (laughs) But for real, it was it was great. And I actually also one track that I think was a personal favorite was, um, you know, when you're in when you're in Africa and you're kind of in that. 
uh, what would I don't know what you would call it, but you're going there to get the the Ritter talisman, mm-hmm. and you're being chased by these zombie things, and it has you know added like a real added guitar track, which just makes it a lot more. It's just a more you know it's it's a rock piece now mm-hmm. and i think that was probably his original vision for it but you know limitations you can do what you can do with midi yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so I, I really enjoyed that it was it was cool mm-hmm. no thanks for bringing it that up beefy. <laughs> it's beefy <laughs> it's worth it like i remember looking at some of these games on the shelves and there'd be like the ibm pc version for 69.99 and then there'd be like the mac version for 89.99 of course there'd only be like five mac games and like 30 pc games but like right right i still like now the value's in the box i guess and nobody cares people buy the box and and put download the game off a of gog and they look at the box and they play the game and it's like two separates together but mm-hmm. uh, you know mm-hmm. there's still something to be said like uh, i just hooked up my uh it's equivalent to like a uh, pentium 2 essentially it's an amd but it's got all the disk drives and everything and i just made like a live edge wood holder for it and set it all up today and and that's the one that gets the importance that's the big family computer because you know like you can stick any old lucas arts game in it it's running uh you know windows xp uh, it's just it's it's a smooth running it's an important machine we do we have faster machines yeah do we have better machines yeah but that's the one that's amazing (laughs) i um i used to have so back before i knew any of you guys and before i was on any of these i think i had been on a couple of sierra message boards and that was it it was like 2004 Mm -hmm. had my newer machine which was i don't even know what it you know what the specs on that were but i had a manual switch so I had two computers. They were hooked up to one monitor. I had a manual switch that would switch over to the other computer, and that was my old 486, and I had that set up for classic gaming. So mm. um, it was, you know, way back in 2004, 2005. So I've been doing this for a long time. So I was really, <laughs> really happy to find all you nerds <laughs> and <laughs> know that I wasn't the only one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't have that computer anymore. I think uh, my dad made me give that one back. But uh, But, yeah, I'd like to have a... Well, I'd like to, uh, I, I still have some of his older computers back at my, my mom's house and I'm, I want to get those up here and, you know, put together a retro, a real old fashioned retro setup. Mm, I have dreams I, of having the space to do something like that. Like, well, oh, I want to do it so bad. <laughs> well, yeah, the space is the issue right now. Yeah. So I don't really have a place to put, the, like literally at our house now, every single available bit of space is being used for some things. There's nowhere to put a nice retro setup. So mm-hmm. that is a dream for a later date. Right now I have an, uh, the IBM 5155, that gigantic, um, quote, portable computer. It is <laughs> on the dining room, dining room table and it is taking up 50% of it. So <laughs> there's no... <laughs> So uh, there isn't even room for what I have. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, uh, though. I know we were just trying to configure our computer desk to handle the four computers that we want on it and then the two laptops. And then James is like, how many computers are in this room? And then he's like looking at tablets and looking at the computers and looking at the phones everybody has and looking at the TV because that's a computer now. And then he's like, well, what mm-hmm. about the Google Home? And it's like, man, there's like 12 freaking computers in this room. What the hell? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm sitting at a desk with two right now. I've got mm-hmm. my work computer, my work mm-hmm. laptop, and my uh, and my tower. And then behind me is my husband's gaming computer and his <laughs> work laptop. And I think there's an iPad over there. And, of course, I'm sitting here with my phone, you know, which is also a computer. 
Oh, now, man. if you listen carefully, you might hear the dulcet tones of my baby crying in the background because she's probably uh, not very happy about having to go to bed. So just FYI, that's in the background and it's adding a little bit of flavor. Oh, it was funny. I was, yeah, I, I like that flavor. Baby flavor is yeah. fine. I don't, I don't mind that at all. I was just, I was thinking because my, my son was making, speaking of kids, he was making fun of my husband so hard because when my husband was like, let's count the computers, he was counting the, the phone as a computer and the, the, the tablet as a computer. And my son, he's 11, right? He's like, those are not computers, dad. That's a phone and that's a tablet. How old are you? And he's just like, what? <laughs> but then anyways, my so my, my son runs to his older brother, who's like, you know, more than a decade older than him. And he's like, oh, man, like, my dad, he's so old, he keeps calling like the phone, the computer. And my son, who's like another generation of kid was like, it is a computer. He's like, oh, yep. crap, I can't prove my point to anybody here. <laughs> I mean, it's a computer. When I was teaching at one point, I think I actually even told my class because this is just at the point where, you know, all the kids are starting to have phones. And I was like, reboot your phone every once in a while. It's mm -hmm. a computer. It mm -hmm. needs to be restarted. Exactly. Clear mm -hmm. that cache. Yeah. Just like let it run free a little bit. Let it stop and rest a little bit. You know, back in the day when you could take out batteries, fine, do that every once in a while. Like now you can't do that. You're just like, I guess I'll turn it off then. Yeah, I could go into a whole thing of how I think that they made batteries non-removable just so that you wouldn't be able to just buy a new battery when your battery starts going down, you know, mm -hmm. really, because I used to do that. I'd buy, just buy a new battery. Me but too. No, you can't I do that. My you have to buy a whole new phone. My kid, my kid is rocking my S4 right now Woo! so hard. And he's also got my S7 Edge and he's now he's got both of them. And he's like, these things are great. I ordered a new battery for the S4 and the thing's like golden, man. There's nothing he couldn't do with it other than, you I know, know play a fast game but the point well, is with the new battery those things last forever it is it's the battery that goes every time and i'm like yeah and what if mm -hmm. the battery swells you've got all these issues in these anyways yes it's mm -hmm. my beef i was so angry when they removed keyboards that you could tactily touch from a phone like i used to have an lg sunshine right had like this little keyboard you could flip down and it had like the whole it was like i don't know kind of like a sideways blackberry anyways i miss mm -hmm. tactile touching things <laughs> Well, that's the, the retro gamer in you that likes those clicky-clacky keyboards. Mm -hmm. I want it on my everythings. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, okay, back to games again. Back to I, games. I think we could probably hit on uh, some Laura Bow action here. I think that sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. So, Laura Bow, I actually played Dagger of Amun-Ra first, I think. Hmm. And um, so my dad was the one who bought it. He was really into murder mysteries. So we, you know, I watched Hitchcock movies with him and we watched tons of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And he was really into Agatha Christie, you know, Miss Marple, uh, Hercule Poirot. So this was just right, you know, up his alley. Mm. And I love the I love the style of it, the Art Deco backgrounds, the you know the the ambiance of it, the music, Chris Brayman, excellent, bravo, yay! <laughs> and since we were in that um, that chat with him, now I'm like I've talked to Chris Brayman. I was able to actually tell him that I really liked his music, and so that was a treat for me. <laughs> um, and I also like that it, it was in acts. I, I I prefer games where you have. Um, either cases 
where you you solve a case and then you kind of move on to the next piece of it, or you have like a, a day cycle, like in Gabriel Gabriel Knight, or an act cycle, which is what this game does. Mm-hmm. So that's how you sort of advance the game through acts. And the first act is all in New York City. And that's before you even get to the Lion Decker Museum, where most of the action actually takes place. Mm-hmm. And so, and it does something that is, is, I wouldn't say it's necessarily unique, but the style of that second act, it's all conversations. Mm-hmm. It's just you're at a dinner party and you're just listening to people. You're getting to know your characters who later become your suspects. And you're listening to their conversations and determining what their relationships are to each other. So mm-hmm. it's your way to kind of scope them out before the action begins. Yeah, and it was it was a really cool dynamic because the characters are unique and different and they kind of come together in different groups as they go by. Like it's dynamic. Things are happening. Things are moving. You can also miss out on conversations or have things that aren't happening if you're dawdling or, or doing the wrong thing or, or not focusing. So it really, it's kind of like it's alive. It's all it's all happening. It's not like waiting stagnantly. And, and I really like that about, well, both of those games, really, they just, they keep pushing you forwards and you're like, no, wait, wait. And it's like, no, you know what? You're just going to finish playing the game. And if you think you suck, go play it again. And you can lose in mm-hmm. both of them. You certainly can. So you can, can go through the whole game and you cannot know what happened. Yep. So and like, you can be like, yeah, I finished the game. Yeah. But did you win the game? Well, I finished the game. I'm not very terribly thorough. So it. It took me a while to get to a place and probably some walkthroughs also to answer all of the questions in the uh, coroner's bequest, Mm -hmm. uh, the last chapter of Dagger of Amun-Ra, to Mm -hmm. answer all of those correctly and Hmm. not get shot up by the murderer because I didn't catch him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, because I didn't catch them. Yes. I'm not saying what gender the murderer is (laughs) because who knows, right? Yeah. No, I think, uh, and that's the cool thing about the first one. I remember when I finished it the first time, and I, I mean, you, you're like, you do everything wrong, and at the end, you're like, you're driving home, and it's like, you're thinking to yourself, hmm, I wonder if that was really the way it was supposed to end up. Hmm. And then it kind of leaves it all ambiguous like mm-hmm. that, right? I, like That's so perfect. <laughs> you can literally, if you don't pay attention, you can literally go through the entire game and not have any idea what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's true. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is why it's worth playing through with a walkthrough, even if you played it yourself, mm-hmm. especially if you want to get the top score on the on the uh, so-called thermometers. So we would be we would be remiss if we did not mention the Crimson Diamond here mm-hmm. because our friend Julia Minamata is developing the Crimson Diamond, which is an EGA text parser mystery game that is pretty much a love letter to the Colonel's Bequest. Mm-hmm. And right now there is a demo out on Steam. So look up the Crimson Diamond and download that demo and have a heck of a lot of fun with it because it is beautiful. It is well written and it's a lot of fun. Do that. And, and also the developer is on Twitch, uh, the Maple, uh, the Crimson Diamond. Uh, let's see if I can get your Twitch name. I believe her yeah. Twitch name is A Maple Mystery. Yes, thank you. It was A Maple Mystery. So yeah, check it out. Uh, Tuesday nights, there's uh, streams going on and also with Dan Policar when they talk music sort of every other Tuesday. So between five o'clock and eight o'clock here about specific standard time on Tuesdays, you can always go on, see what's happening with the game, and, and check it out. It's totally well worth it. Absolutely. 
I haven't done um, I haven't done beta testing for a while, but I got to play a couple chapters ahead, and you guys are mm -hmm. in for it. Oh god, it's gonna yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. So yeah, those are those are all fantastic games, and and also we can't talk about uh, the Colonel's Bequest or Dagger of Amon Ra without talking about some of the lovely bits and pieces that are inside the boxes. Um, if I go to, for example, Colonel's Bequest, you've got, I mean, a magnifying glass, a notepad. I'm opening the box. You can hear me opening the box here. But you've got. This is uh, we're providing you the ambient. The ambiance, the sound of opening the box, so you can kind of be there with us. We're right here. And and as I said, you've got your, your fingerprints to identify that the notebook is just, it's all just super authentic and super fun. You know what? I have two magnifying glasses. See, there's this is where we get into stuff to trade, right? What do I need mm -hmm. two Colonel's Bequest magnifying glasses for, really? Okay. Now, doesn't it come with a notepad? It does. Like a, a beautiful notepad? Like a physical lined notepad. I only have one of those. I don't have two of those. But yeah, Tulane, right? Laura Bow with the classic black. And then it's got the figuring with the golden writing on it. Yeah. So you're supposed to technically take this notepad, which thank you, by the way, whoever gave me this used copy didn't do that. But yes, you're supposed to take the notepad and actually write your clues and things in it, kind of like when you're playing Clue, the game. That's so fun. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, you were mentioning some of the nice stuff they have in the Dagger of Amon Ra box. Now, unfortunately, my Dagger of Amon Ra box that I owned back in the day has disappeared, but I still have a couple of things from it. I have the manual, and there's this little um, pamphlet from the Lion Decker Museum that kind of describes it as a, you know, kind of like something you'd pick up at a hotel. For a local attraction, you'd pick it up and look, oh, this might be a good thing to go to. So it's kind of this uh, neat little in-game, in-universe piece of the game. And that kind of stuff is really fun. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. Yeah, a lot of information. I mean, you know, you're talking about feelies and games. I could I could definitely do a whole episode on on game feelies, but even just within these mystery games, it's fun. Just these just these little pieces that makes it feel a little bit more real. Like you're not just helping somebody in a game solve a mystery. You're a detective and you're going to be solving a mystery right alongside them, you know. Yeah, it helps to bring you into the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm it, trying to think, I'm looking at these, and from the ones that are boxed, I'm trying to think, what are some other feelies? Because these other ones, so the Blackwell games, for example, they were never boxes. Those were, I believe, exclusively digital releases. Mm -hmm. As was Lamplight City, Thimbleweed Park might have had a box when it had a Kickstarter back in the day. Mm -hmm. did, did Thimbleweed Park have a Kickstarter? I don't remember. And Thimbleweed Park is not one we've talked about yet, but we should. No, we actually should. Another another great mystery. And, you know, you can pick your characters. You have a lot going on. It's very like LucasArts, but it's also very X-Files. Like, you know, you're almost like uh, Mulder and Scully and that stuff too. Totally mm -hmm. worth a play and, and different ways that it can go. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts off with a murder. Mm -hmm. You actually start off playing as the person who gets murdered. Mm -hmm. And then it goes into a couple of the other characters. And I think there end up being one, two, three, four, five, I think like five playable characters throughout mm -hmm. the game. Six if you count the first guy. So there's an awful lot. And, and each one of these, you can use different people to solve different 
mysteries within the game. The overarching mystery, though, is number one, who killed this guy? And number two, what the heck is going on with this weird ass town? Mm-hmm. And, and there's just, and um, I won't tell, I obviously won't give away the ending here. This is a, a game that has a very controversial ending. Some people mm-hmm. love it and some people hate it. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people that went, oh, this was absolutely not what I was expecting, but I kind of dig it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's it's a it's a bit of a controversial ending. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of it too is personal preference. Uh, I mean, a lot of things in the game are what kind of humor do you like? Do you like it when games mm-hmm. break the fourth wall? Do you want it to you know? So it, either this game is going to hit a lot of the hot spots for a person, or it's going to like absolutely hit the wrong buttons for a person. It seems to me like it's really like black and white. I haven't met a lot of people that say Thimbleweed Park. Yeah, it's great. I love it, but you know, nah. Uh, it's usually like, oh, it's great, or no, I don't really like it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those that people people either really like or they really don't. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking as someone who generally is not into the LucasArts style stuff, mm-hmm. I actually really, really liked it. I played it on Switch, mm-hmm. and um, this wasn't true the whole way through, but my husband kind of played it with me a little bit, meaning that he would... Um, work through puzzles with me and there was one point where he actually helped me solve something i was like you're a genius he said Mm. you know by saying something offhand it was kind of like one of those you know tropey tv things where somebody says something (laughs) random and then you go oh my gosh you solved it and they're like what you know um so that was fun kind of getting to do that with him a little bit Mm -hmm. um but i really liked the art style the voice acting was wonderful it knew what it was it played to its audience and that audience was me and I was very pleased with it. I, mm-hmm. I had good time. I guess if, you know, if you're thinking LucasArts and mystery maniac mansion is a mystery. I, you know, honestly, I can't speak to that cause I haven't played it. Mm. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I've played that. Uh, and you're, you're trying to figure out like, what really happened when the meteor landed, right? Um, what happened? How did it change people? What are the tentacles? You know, why are things where they are? Yeah, there, there's just a lot. You have to pick different characters to solve different mysteries. I'm not trying to give away too much because I, I didn't really give a spoiler. But yeah, it's definitely what I would consider not just a mystery game, but a really challenging and decent mystery game. It's It's not as easy as you'd think. I mean, not that you'd necessarily think it's easy, but like LucasArts games, you're like, oh, a lot of them are easy, except for the dig. Dig's not very easy. But Maniac Mansion, also not that easy, but lots of fun. Oh, the dig was really hard. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I have the strategy guide. Otherwise, I'd be like screwed. I threw up my hands and went to a walkthrough. I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't. (laughs) It was really, really difficult. And it's a book. It's a novel, The Dig, by uh, Alan Dean Foster. I I ended up randomly coming up across it, and I'm just like, holy shit, I didn't even know. So Alan Dean Foster, mm-hmm. I think he wrote some Star Trek and Star Wars books too. Yeah, He's all a up in the sci-fi. Fan. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> well, yeah. moving into games, since we're already talking about games that are a little bit newer, um, one that I thought of that before that we didn't even talked about beforehand was Contradiction. Have you played that mm. one? No, not at all. Tell me about it. So Contradiction, Spot the Liar. This is a. a um, a game that was published by Baggy Cat Entertainment. It is an FMV. It came out in 2015. And it stars Detective Inspector Frederick Jenks. 
This is a English countryside murder mystery. So if that is your your jam, if you like things like Midsummer Murders, etc., that mm-hmm. this is going to be something you'll enjoy. So a young woman dies; it's a suspicious death, and he ends up going around. You, you play this kind of quirky British inspector, and you question everybody in the town and. Primarily what you're doing is you're trying to catch them in lies. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's called contradiction. The way that you move things forward, I think there are a couple of inventory items, but for the most part, it's just talking to people and catching them contradicting themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's how you figure out what happened. So um, I highly recommend it. I had a heck of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It is well acted. So I know that FMVs have a reputation for being kind of cheesy, but Mm -hmm. uh, this one, it fully embraces what it is and everybody is all in and it is really enjoyable. And I think everyone does a really, really good job. So I recommend you can get it on Steam, I believe. I think that's where I got it. Hmm. I'm going to check really quickly to see if it's on sale. Mm -hmm. You get to listen to me type. Well, right now it is $10.39. That's not bad. This game... It also says this game may contain content not appropriate for all ages. Mm. I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember it being tamer than other ones that don't actually warn me about that. So I wouldn't worry about it. They're probably unless just there's something being generous I, with it or something. Unless there's something I have completely forgotten. But. <laughs> and and I guess speaking of new games too, uh, Voodoo Detective, uh, you've got adventure, you've got comedy, you've got like old school detective novel style humor. Uh, it's on sale too for a little bit off in Canadian dollars. It's about 15 bucks, which means in American dollars, it's essentially free. So, uh, yeah, another, another great one, a great developer on it. Uh, some of the art is done by, uh, classic gamers, Bruce. Guild, very own Bruce Bernazzi and, uh, yeah, definitely give it a go. The graphic style is, is whimsical and cartoonish, but with like a little bit of a dark overtone. It's, it's got, uh. It's it's got some absolutely gorgeous art. It's got a it's got a beautiful music score uh, and a really really cool color scheme. Uh, definitely well worth playing. And that one it really falls into the classic definition of a mystery game. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah, and you've got to you've got to use your wits and you know figure it all out. Uh, now, does in, that one do? Oh, go oh, ahead. No, you first. I was going to say, is that one a case style thing, or do you play solving one mystery the whole time? Um, it's kind of like everything's based within a town. So you've got, you've got dirty secrets to uncover, but there's like a mysterious woman and you're like, who is she and where does she come from? So yeah, little things to figure out along the way with your overarching mystery as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very much, I guess, inspired by the likes of, again, back to LucasArts, Monkey Island, games like that. But there's a, a lot of voices you'll recognize too. If you play games like uh, Final Fantasy or Dragon Age or Diablo or, I don't know, Star Trek. They've got uh, all sorts of uh, great people in the cast. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well worth checking out. Any other new games you'd recommend? I guess uh, it's coming up to about an hour. We're probably going to start wrapping it up. So also, any last thoughts you have on Mysteries 2? Now would be the time. Okay. Well, I can't think of any other new ones at the moment. 
there was Pawns and Crowns, but that one I think falls a little bit more into the genre of broken sword type stuff. It was very, it gave me really strong broken sword vibes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so if you're into that, I recommend it. I felt like it was um, a little bit shorter than I wanted it to be. I think Mm -hmm. kind of by the time we had, you know, hit that climactic ending, I was like, oh, is that all? I thought Mm -hmm. there was going to be more, you know. Um, So, and I could see that they're trying to lay some groundwork with the characters. Um, And like I said, I want to be generous when I'm kind of reviewing stuff because I really want people to, you know, play games to give them a try and see if they like them. Because my opinion and my experience doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't good. It just means that maybe it wasn't the right game for me. So I, I think that anybody who really enjoys broken sword is going to, with a little dash of will they, won't they is going to enjoy this game and you should give it a go. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous. It's well acted. Um, so yeah, overall enjoyable. I think there were a couple of things where I was like, eh, I don't know if I love this, but I mean, that's not enough of a reason not to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of games have stuff like that. Oh, and I'd also be remiss if I didn't say, uh, check out the Phantom Fellows. It's another mystery. Uh, you've got ghosts involved. You're trying to, uh, figure stuff out. The first, uh, two days of the adventure are available on a demo on Steam. So just pop in the Phantom Fellows, give it a go. You'll definitely not regret your time with the game. Is that so? There Mm is a, a, uh, a demo, you say. You can hear me typing in the background. Look at mm-hmm. that. There's a free demo. Hello. There is. Yeah, always looking for people to stream that game, too. And if you ever do, uh, link me over. Hey, hey. Will do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I so, mean, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, so, you know, the, the biggest mystery is, it, it seems like the biggest mystery we've come across on this episode is what exactly meets the criteria of a mystery game. But I think we busted through those walls a little bit and kind of put a few categories in their place, so to speak. Right. And before we go, I absolutely need to mention uh, honorable mentions, um, Cognition and Lamplight City. Cognition hmm. was a, I believe it was a Phoenix Studios game. Um and it actually stars um, Raleigh Holmes, who is the daughter of composer Robert Holmes, hmm. as the main character. And it's a little bit of it. So it's, it's definitely mystery. It's kind of got a really rough kind of gritty edge to it um, and some really great twists and turns along the way. Uh, it is definitely on the gorier side. So if that's not for you, then maybe this game isn't for you. But if that doesn't bother you, then give it a go. Um, for my other honorable mention, Lamplight City, I mentioned it before. It is really fun, uh, really great atmospheric game, great voice acting, really well done. And uh, pick it up. Thank you so much for the recommendations and all of your suggestions for Steam games, whether they're on sale or not, really well worth checking any of those detective games out. And thanks to you, all of our listeners, for hanging out with us while we chatted about detective games. What do you think qualifies as a detective game? What are some detective games you've enjoyed playing or even are looking forward to playing? Tell us about it. Uh, You could send an email, mail at classicgamersguild.com. You could find us on Facebook. We're a page. We're a group. Classic Gamers Guilt. You can send out a tweet. I'm usually available at CGG Podcast. Paul is often found at Phantom Fellows. 
Do you prefer Instagram? Hey, we're there too, at CGG Podcast. I know, bit of a theme going here. And of course, this show would not be able to happen if it weren't for you, our fantastic Patreon subscribers. Yes, I mean you, you lovely people. If you haven't checked it out, it's Classic Gamers Guild on Patreon. We even put out bonus content at least once or twice a year, for sure. So, all right, that's it. I'm done. Thanks for joining us. And... Don't do a murder. Mm-hmm.